My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 157 of Legally Clueless. If you've always been part of the fam, thank you so much. And if this is your first time ever listening to the podcast, welcome to the family. Join our social media space on Instagram, we're at Legally Clueless Podcast. On Facebook, we're at Legally Clueless. And on YouTube, Legally Clueless as well. Links to all of those platforms are in the show notes. But in case you're listening on a platform that doesn't have show notes, (laughs) you need to think about changing the platform but also you can't miss us we're like super yellow on all of those platforms and speaking of our youtube channel later this week depending on when you're going to be listening to this our dubai episode is going to be out yes 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 there's going to be a new episode on our tour series and it's legally clueless touring dubai which was so different for me um so insightful so oof I can't wait for you to hear the stories that we recorded there of Africans living in Dubai, what took them there, the experience. It's something. But we'll talk more about it once the episode is out. So it goes out Friday, the 18th of March. All right, so back to this episode. This is what you can look out for coming up. I remember when the results came in and I missed a lot of marks doing architecture. I was crushed. In my head... I loaded, I was a failure. I fall sick two days after admission. I go to her room and she's like, dry, why are your eyes yellow? I remember just after that cut, I fell sick again. I just be hanging out with people then my shoe like just leaves my, <laughs> I'd say my shoe leaves my leg. <laughs> so you feel like, ah, oh, maybe I'm just being clumsy, you know? You're holding a cup, then it just randomly falls. My, my hand start, had started getting weak. I'm leaving my bed. I try to stand and then I fall down. But you know, now the whole time I hadn't realized I'd gotten a stroke. The first thing that hits my mind, I can't draw. And you know, interior design is all drawing. <laughs> so I'm like okay okay i got the ct scan done and i was told i have a brain tumor that's a story by joy we recorded this story actually during our tour last august when we set up camp in kisumu at lake hub and i've actually really been waiting to share it with you and so i'm super excited that it's coming up a little later in this episode okay let's jump into the song of the week let me tell you I have so much, what, psych and energy for Song of the Week. I don't know where from. (laughs) First things first, I'm super happy that I have not made a Legally Clueless playlist on Spotify just because of what's been going on with their stance on Joe Rogan. I'm not too sure I appreciate that. So I'm glad I haven't put it there yeah i'm still trying to figure out where to put the playlist i know they're definitely going to be more than one playlist because there are moments of giving you songs that are good for the bedroom there are moments of giving you songs that are good for like road trips songs that are good for like turn up songs that are good for like more introspective moments so just trying to work all of those knobs out (laughs) and then you'll have the playlist but in this episode the song that i want you to check out i don't even know if i'm pronouncing this chick's name right ego ella may i feel like the ego is not anyway (laughs) i'll just say i'm pronouncing it that way so that you know how to spell it (laughs) yes that's the excuse i'm gonna go with and the name of the song is give a little i really really love this song i've done my thing of like going deep into the lyrics um just because also i feel like the space that i'm in currently i really do identify with some of the lyrics like there's a bit where she goes like where we go we don't know just trying to stay on our path i've been here before yet still end up on my ass and i'm just like sis louder <laughs> louder for those of us at the back <laughs> and oh there's a part she says somebody told me that the prize is in heaven but what about living today do i have to die for some peace or a little bit of extra empathy. That's something, isn't it? Ah, I love it. So I put a link to the song in the show notes. It's called Give a Little. It's by Ego LMA. And I hope you dig it as much as I do. It's one of those Shiabata songs, you know? It sounds like what I feel like putting Shiabata on your beautiful black skin sounds like <laughs> i don't know if that makes sense but anyway moving on a bit of a catch-up Ugh, i've had a very hectic week yeah 
it's just been a long time since I had a very long <laughs> freaking long time since I had such a hectic week. I just thought that I would share that in case you're navigating something that's challenging or hectic. <laughs> that's my word for it. I would like to send you grace. And the reason I say grace is because I've learned, or I learned this a long time ago, but I, I always forget it, that one thing that I always want is clarity, you know, and a lack of noise. And I guess that's a human thing. You get uncomfortable when there's so much noise around you, right? So why I say I'm sending you grace is it's because I also need grace. I've been asking the universe to just like, man, gift me abundance of grace because for you to allow time to do its thing and gift you clarity, you have to be graceful about it. You, you can't rush it. So you need grace to give time its time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's where I'm at. And I don't know, maybe you're there as well for whatever reason. I'm just asking the universe to like drown us in grace. Okay, quickly before we jump into the story, because this episode story is pretty long. I wanted to see if I can squeeze in a quick excerpt from the book I co-authored that's out. It's called Our Broken Silence. I wrote it with Lanji Okuawari. It's all about sexual violence and in the form of diary entries by survivors, um, people in various support systems, so like nurses, people in the legal space, family members of survivors, and so much more. And it looks at stories from pre-colonial times to present day across East Africa, so not just Kenya. And if you check the show notes, you can get the link to, if you're in Kenya, where you can buy the book. It's currently at a bookstore called Soma Nami. So you can either go there physically, they're off Ngong Road at Greenhouse Mall, or you can just go to www.somanami.com. .co.ke. And if you're not in Kenya, the book is on Amazon. You can buy the Kindle copy or the hard copy. Again, I've put the link in the show notes or you can just search Our Broken Silence. So the piece or entry I'm going to share is one I wrote about telling my mom that I'd gotten raped. Trigger warning. Date. A letter to my mom. Dear diary, I waited for her to leave her room for the shower and that's when I did it. The cancer was back and she was in the middle of her chemotherapy cycles. It was painful to watch her go through a treatment that looked like it was killing her just so that she could destroy a disease that could kill her. Twisted. But in many ways, I identified with her. I used to think that on that night, an important part of me was stolen. I wasn't sure what part, but I knew something was missing. It's almost like stealing from someone drenched in abundance. They'll only discover you've robbed them after a while, and even after that, it may take them a long while to identify what was stolen. So, for two years, as she fought off cancer, I fought sometimes to rebuild, sometimes to replace, and sometimes forget what was stolen, and sometimes to forget what was stolen. It worked for a while, especially when I tried to forget because it meant I didn't have to confront it. I could walk around pretending it never happened, pretending that I was a virgin, I wasn't interested in men, and that my focus was on school and an open mic gig I had started with a friend. Everything I focused on to forget thrived, until the one thing I was not focused on broke me. I often broke over the two years. The cracks would show up in public when there were loud noises that would startle me. When I'd take the stairs and not the lifts because I was scared of being robbed again in a lift. When I would get what I now know are panic attacks and would have to bolt to the nearest bathroom before the tears consumed me. The cracks were nightmares every other night where the robbery would replay itself and end with him looking me dead in the eye. After months of this, I realized nothing was stolen from me. Nothing was taken. No. A stranger broke into my house and killed a part of me the night he raped me. It was dead and there was no reviving or rebuilding it. This realization was one of the most painful truths I've ever had to confront in my entire life. I knew I needed help acknowledging this death, moaning it, and maybe even healing from it. I had to tell her. I've always found written words to be my most efficient means of communication. Whenever I try to speak out my feelings, it's like the words are held captive by my emotions, and they don't come out in the order I want them to, or they don't come out at all. So I decided to write her a letter. It had to be factual and show that I was a few paces into healing. I didn't want her to know how shattered I was. 
That would definitely stress her. My letter had a matter-of-fact tone. I detailed what happened that night, that I hadn't reported it, that I'd gone to the hospital, done the necessary tests, and been on medication for six months to rule out any infections. I assured her my hospital stamped a clean bill of health. I didn't write about the nightmares, about how hard it was to breathe whenever his face flashed across my mind, or about how endless my tears were. From my room, I could hear her get into the shower. I folded the letter and left it on top of her bed and then sprinted back to my room. I waited for almost 20 minutes and then I heard her turn off the shower. It was too late to go and grab the letter back. While I was lost in thoughts, wondering if this was the right thing to do, she stormed into my room and hugged me. All this time, I didn't know this was what I needed. This was what I needed to feel safe. A hug from my mother. She hugged me tight while asking more about the tests I did in the hospital. She asked me if I wanted to report it to the police. She thanked me for telling her. The very next day, my mother started shopping around for therapists. I hadn't told her about the dead parts of me, but she knew. Whew. All right. Probably the first time I've read that particular piece without crying. Yeah, I don't have anything to add on to that, honestly. I really don't. So, before I start crying... Let me intro the story that's on 100 African Stories. We recorded this during our tour last year in August when we were in Kisumu. It was such an awesome encounter meeting Joy. She's such a vivacious young African woman. Her story touches on brain tumors, grief, and building a business. 100 African Stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Joy, Joy Lois Wanga. Lois with a C, not an S. I was born in Busia, Busia, the border town in Kenya. Yeah, but I've, li I've lived in Eldoret and many other places and Kisumu. Kisumu was here for study. I am the founder of Zamani Creates. It's a design firm based in Kisumu. I have a branch in Busia currently. It's it's still new. I'd say it's still new, yes, because the second branch is like a month old. <laughs> we don't really have an office space as at now because I don't know I looked at the logistics of that and it just didn't make sense <laughs> yeah eventually I intend to have that in the in the vision in the bigger picture I intend to have one <laughs> yeah but for now we're working with what we have so meeting up with clients in restaurants and you know growing up I had a love for art I think I discovered art in like class six those club kiboko and I used to just like get so fussy. Like I would never miss any episode of Club Kiboko because we would create things. And I remember I used to really, really, really press my mom to get me Manila paper so that I can draw along and, you know, create along and all that. So yeah, so it's just been in me. But there was this pressure I wanted to be like dad. And dad was an advocate, mm -hmm. you know. So guess my English is good and I was doing good in school. So ideally, I would have been an advocate. I got to, I think, class eight and I would watch uh, movies in this fashion industry and I'd be like, I want to have that. I'd want to have a company of my own, you know? And it was like, you know, those, those desires that when people want to live in a, in a mansion or in a palace, like, I wanted to own a company. That was the dream. So I remember the first the first company I ever thought up was it's called Sandrop Collection. Uh, it was supposed to be a fashion design company. And I knew nothing, 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 nothing about fashion design. All I knew was you could just stitch up things together and make it look nice, you know? So this time I remember taking some of my mom's clothes and reinventing, like I'd take her skirt and join it with a, a different kind of top and it just it would just look fancy you know and well that didn't go well <laughs> got a lot of a lot of beatings and a lot of yeah earfuls but i think that's that's basically the genesis of it then we went through high school and all that and by the time i was getting to form two i was like okay so clearly advocate is not working because history became hard and they didn't even like the teacher <laughs> I preferred geography to history and there's that notion you have to do history to to do law. So I was like, okay. So yeah, that, that's out. And I, we had, uh, I was in Kipsigis Girls, so it's in Kericho. Uh, we had art, we had computer, we had home science and business. So I was in a class that didn't do art, but I wanted to do art. 
So now we had, they literally created an entire stream. It was just four streams. So they created an entire stream for people who wanted to do art. So that class, it was, okay, V, it was the V class. So those W, X, Y, Z, but then they had to put a V, a V class. So luckily I was moved to that class. So now I was actually able to, to do art. When it came to now dropping subjects, I remember we had, we had a fight with my mom about that because first, I was actually performing well in history. I was actually performing well in geography. Then I had French and art. I had to drop one. And I was torn because I looked at it. I was like, okay, French, I could travel to Paris. And you know, <laughs> but then art was just something. There was something like, it, it, it's just curious. It's in, like creating something from scratch. That, that was my thing, you know, like I loved that. So yeah, so I decided I'm done with history. I'm done in French. And I remember from that day, my French teacher hated me because I was one of her best performing students. So every single time she was on duty, she used to find faults in something, any of those, something Joy would do wrong. Whether, whether it was there or not, but yes. <laughs> Fast forward to campus. I ended up just finishing and I remember when, when we were selecting uh, subjects, courses rather, to do in campus, I remember my choices were architecture, interior design, graphic design, fashion design. It just had to be design. And my mom still had the hope in her heart that I would do law so that, you know, I'm the smart one in the family, you know? And I was daddy's girl, so yeah, but I don't know, like just, I just wanted to do design. So I remember when the results came in and I missed a lot of marks to doing architecture. So I just like, I was crushed. I remember I was so crushed because I was like, in my head, I loaded I was a failure. Though, if I think about it now, I'm like, that was an actually really good grade, <laughs> you know? The fact that I didn't have an A, for me, was like, you failed. Because I'm a bit of a, of a bookworm. And so, yeah, that just felt... And I have this toxic trait of beating myself up a lot when I don't achieve my goals. So I think that took a toll on me. And I remember it just got to a point my mom was like, okay, whatever you want to do. If you want to do law, I will pay. If you want to do what, I will pay. Just whatever. And yeah, so... I decided to do interior design. So my mom, my mom was this parents where, yes, we have the internet. We have, you know, like you can just apply for things on your phone, but she would go physically to the school. So she went to UN, she went to Egerton, she went to Masena University just to find out applications and all, like she was all in. She was like, that's all in kind of mom, which is amazing. I think it was just a blessing for her, for us, for me and my siblings. We landed on Maseno. Uh, it wasn't so far, plus I didn't want Nairobi. I don't know, there's something about Nairobi for me. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, I ended up studying interior design in Masena University. And uh, I remember the first year, I remember getting sick. So I had a liver infection. And so you've just joined campus and you are excited about the whole... You know, I just... I wanted to know everything there is to know about interior design. I was like so eager, you know, I actually started even like Googling and like I've not attended a single class. I'm just so curious. Then I fall sick, uh, like two days, two days after admission. And I remember it was so bad because I didn't even notice. I was just like feeling, you know, feeling off, off here, there. Then my temperature was high, but I was like, ah, maybe a chalk, you know, I'm just tired. Yeah, then I remember going to see uh, a friend of mine. We were both, we were in the same high school and then we were both admitted to do interior design in Maseno. So like she was basically my only friend at that time. So we were supposed to go for orientation and all that. Then I go to her room and she's like, Joy, why are your eyes yellow? And I'm like, my eyes are yellow. What do you mean? Then she gives me a mirror and yeah, my eyes were yellow. And I was like, okay. Then... <laughs> I then I was like, ah, maybe to escape. I'll, I'll go. I'll go to the dispensary and get checked. So we have breakfast. Then the minute I just took tea and then I just vomited the whole thing. And I was like, what's going on? Then almost it was like the tea was a trigger for everything else. So I just started shivering. Started, as in, I, was just, I just got sick. So we go to the dispensary. They, they test for malaria. And it was a malaria. So the next thing, my friends just called my mom. She was like yo, come pick Joy, she's not feeling well. I do not know. You know, that commute from uh, from Eldoret, we were living in Eldoret at that time. The commute from Eldoret to Kisumu is ideally four hours. But my mom somehow got there in two hours. I have never understood till this day. I Like, I do not know. <laughs> but she was there 
And I remember we just left everything. Like, we didn't even pick anything. She just took me. We were in the vehicle going home. And I remember my temperature was so high. So my mom was torn between covering me because I was shivering and the fact that she can literally feel the heat, you know? So we go home. We get tested. I'm put on medication. Um, so this is like... I'm at home for like three weeks and I'm just stressed out because I'm like, I'm supposed to be in school. I don't know what interior design is. You know, like that, my mom was like, she was like, you should be focusing on getting better. Me, I'm focusing on, I'm not in school. I need to be in school, <laughs> you know? Like my friends are learning and I'm just here, you know? And then like people will start having exams. And then the worst part, like three weeks into that, I remember a friend of mine, texting me and telling me we, we're having cuts. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I do not know anything. I've not attended a single class. And I'm like, okay. So I tell my mom and I was feeling a bit better. It was, it was a bit of a struggle. I feel like that's like a story for a whole podcast by itself. <laughs> but yeah, so I got better. Uh, I, I go to school and now I have to catch up on three weeks worth of notes and reading and you know and who, who is this lecturer what does he teach i don't know what units are because i'm used to subjects i get to doing the cut the cut that had actually brought me back to school i remember just after that cut i fell sick again and this time it was so bad it was those things that build up but you don't realize until it's too late so i remember what happened was i'll just be hanging out with people then my shoe like just leaves my <laughs> I'd say my shoe leaves my leg. Uh, so you feel like, ah, oh, maybe I'm just being clumsy, you know? You're holding a cup, then it just randomly falls. My, my hand start, had started getting weak, and I hadn't noticed. You know, these are not things you, you notice, really. Plus, I'm just there enjoying campus and, you know, meeting people and just the whole, the whole vibe. Then I remember one morning, we had a class at, I think, 9. So I wake up at 7, and I'm so psyched. So I wake up. I'm leaving my bed. I try to stand and then I fall down. And I was like, wait, no, chill. <laughs> so I try to stand again. But you know, now the whole time I hadn't realized I'd gotten a stroke and I didn't know. I didn't even know. Maybe at that time, okay, yes, I knew what a stroke is, but I, you know, you never really relate it to yourself. <laughs> like, there is no way. I try again. And then I fall. So I was in a room with six. We were six people. We were six girls. So they were like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, you guys, I can't, I can't feel my hand. Then now I'm act, like, now I'm aware, you know? So I'm like, okay, I can't feel my leg. And it's literally like one side of my body, my, like my, my right side, I can't feel it. And I'm like, so it was like until somewhere here. And I'm like, okay, so what is this? I was, I just like had a mini panic attack, you know, because now I didn't know what's going on. And the first thing that hits my mind, I can't draw. And you know, interior design is all drawing. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I call my friend, she comes, uh, we go to the, to the school dispensary. And you know, like you sit there waiting and waiting for test results to come back. And then the, I go in to see the doctor and the results are back. And the doctor is like, we can't help you. You have to go home. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> so he, uh, he says the results are very abnormal. And it's either you go to Kisumu, Kisumu like hospital, or you go home. And then he starts asking me where home is and all that. And I'm like, okay, I'm still processing. I'm still processing what's going on. Then a friend of mine comes and she, she had a car. So she brings me to Kisumu town. Then we, we bought a vehicle. I, you know, I called my mom and she thought it's just, ah, it's just probably malaria. You know, she didn't know how, like how big of a deal it was. So this time she didn't come for me. Like I went and so we, we went to the to the matatu stage and they bought the matatu and my friend told the matatu guy, just when you get to Eldoret, look for a motorbike. Tell them you're going to Kapsoya, Hazina Estate, house number, <laughs> you know, like the specifics because it was so bad I couldn't move. And it was like, it was so strange. I remember I was given very strong painkillers, so I just slept through the whole journey from Kisumu to Eldoret. And then I got home. My, my mom hadn't arrived home yet. My sister was the one who was there, my elder sister. So I get home and my sister is, is like, what's going on? I'm like, well, I woke up like this. <laughs> <laughs> As I just told her, I'm tired. So I, uh, she takes me 
we lay on the couch and then mom comes so she's used to it. she'll see me i'll stand up i'll hug her and then now we'll talk about why i'm who then uh, she comes and she can see i'm struggling to stand to hug her because my default setting is stand up hug mom you know but then my body isn't responding to the default <laughs> mom looks at me and she's like what happened were you playing did you get hurt and i was like no imagine i just woke up like this <laughs> my mom broke down and my mom was like very light so you know you can imagine a light person breaking down she just turns red <laughs> so she she was trying not to break down in front of in front of us so she goes to her room but she forgot to like close her door so you could see the reflection from the mirror from her dressing mirror she was crying and i was like okay i don't know what's going on so if you're panicking then it's a bad thing you know it's a big deal the next day first thing in the morning mom takes me to hospital and the doctor just sees me like this and he's like let's do a ct scan and then at that time a ct scan was 20000 my mom is a single mom my dad died when i was in class 2 yeah so the whole time mom is the one who's raised us and she's a business lady so she has, she runs a boutique at, uh, at the time 20000 wasn't money you easily come by you know it's not money you just you know it's not like 5 shillings yeah so i remember she was just stuck we, we went to three hospitals and it's the same price all through but the 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 public hospital where it was supposed to be i think 5000 or something i don't know they didn't have which chemical that was supposed to put to be put in the machine and mom was like you know what my daughter needs to be treated today 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 <laughs> she makes a few calls here that this is like that's when i learned it's really good to be credit worthy so that you can you can ask for money without questions <laughs> i don't know there's someone she called and she just said i need 20000 and it was sent i got the ct scan done and i was told they have a brain tumor and that was a blow <laughs> that was a huge blow cuz you know the first thing that comes to someone's mind when you say brain tumor it's cancer it's death you know like that's default set this is kenyans as in this is africans you know so i was just like so i'm going to die it was a mom who told me it was my doctor who told me cuz mom after the test mom mom took me home and then she went back to hospital so when the results came back so she was just like consulting with doctors and all that and then she came home with a lot of medication and she just looked red so i knew she was she had been crying so i called my doctor and i'm like what have you told my mother what is this that you have told her and then he he now he like breaks it down to me and he's like so we discovered you have a brain tumor uh, we don't know if it's cancerous yet so we'll have to do an mri to find out and we're like okay so i made the decision to be strong for mom because i couldn't break down and she's breaking down <laughs> that strength has always been in her i've seen how she's raised us i think it's just something that was kind of just shoved down all of us like the strength was just there so yeah so now i have to be strong for her even though i i didn't know what's going on <laughs> and everything is hitting me and like god so you gave me this talent I'm supposed to change the world with this talent then you take it away. What did I do wrong? That was my question like what did I do wrong? And being being a Christian, being brought up as a Christian, that is a crisis of faith. You're not supposed to be questioning God. <laughs> like God is, you know, all-knowing, all-powerful. Like he knows he has good plans. You know, and at that time it didn't feel like good plans. <laughs> we go through that. So it gets to point where the doctor says the medication that you're taking it means you have to defer you can't take this medication when you're in school and i'm like okay you guys are not serious listen it's my right hand i will learn how to use my left hand like i don't mind imagine i will learn <laughs> so i i remember staying up at night trying to learn how to use my left hand to write my name to draw you know so just writing joy my name is three letters joy but It would take me almost 15 minutes just to get it done because at the time I'm already sick so my body is already tired but I'm straining it to learn a whole new thing that it's not even you know it's not like fashioned to learn then it's just like you no know, there's this time my mom called me we went to see my doctor and you no know, they had they felt they needed to cancel me and they're like you know it's okay you can just like uh maseno doesn't have special exams where you can defer for a semester and and come back next semester and proceed you have to defer a whole year that meant my entire class would be a class ahead of me and i was like no mm 
we're not doing that. <laughs> so it was so hard. I remember we were actually laughing about this recently with my sister because she was like, do you remember how you cried uh, that your friends will be a class higher than you? And you know, <laughs> and I said, she was like, you know, telling her, it's not about the friends. It's just the whole vibe. Like, this is your, this is your crew. This is, these are your people. So being with, it's like, you know, it's like repeating a class. But I haven't failed, you know. So I, can, I shouldn't be repeating because I haven't failed. Or rather, you haven't even given me the chance to fail. Uh, we go through that, that year. It was hectic. It was hard. It was, it was, it was just, it was a lot. It was just a lot. And I remember... If there was ever a time my faith as a Christian was tested, was that time. There were so many questions I had. Well, God wasn't answering them. The funny thing is, weirdly, like, I kind of usually say this is my testimony. And I tell myself that every time something hard happens or something something heartbreaking happens, that was the time when I, would, I was grateful for so many things. I didn't realize that it actually takes effort or rather, it's their muscles that are fashioned to put on sandals. I didn't know that. <laughs> that opening a bottle is not something you take for granted. You know, like turning the key. Like, it's just, I became so grateful. And I remember the song that played. I think everybody in our house ended up having that song because the only thing that used to calm me down was that song. It's Imela. I don't really know by whom, but the song Imela used to just play every single time. And it would calm, it would calm me down. And it's so weird because the, the song translates to thank you, God. So I was like, okay. And that season, I wasn't really thankful, but you know, it wasn't like I didn't have reasons to be thankful for, but well, there we were. And that was what was going on. When I resumed in 20, my admission reads 014, but my, you know, the class I was with was 015. Everybody in the class was 015. And for me, it just felt like there was just so much stigma, but I just, you, because ideally most people, if like, I don't know if this is research that has been done or whatever, but according to my findings, most people who had like deferred had probably gotten pregnant or decided to leave school. You know, me didn't do all those things. Me was a good girl, you know, like, or whatever I was termed as good girl at that time. You know, me was, I was focused on my book. So every single time I would tell someone my admission is 014, they'd ask me if I have a baby. And I was like, okay, no. And it just, it felt so bad. No judgment to people who get children early, but that just, that wasn't my path at that time, you know? So yeah, so I felt really like, there was just a lot of stigma around it, but it was, it was hard just coming back because now I'm doing what I want, I like, but people are way ahead of me. One advantage for me was the fact that I knew the class ahead. So I, I kind of had, uh, it's like, cheat sheet so when we would do a course i would go to my friends i'm like what did you guys learn in this and sometimes it wouldn't really be the same but they're related so i'd always have like an upper hand uh, in comparison to my class but now that the downside was my hand hadn't fully recovered so i was yes i was in school but then i was struggling i wasn't writing as fast as or as normal as i should <laughs> you know so when a, a lecturer would dictate notes it would take me so much effort to actually write that so i remember i had to make friends who i can understand their handwriting they can bear with me so they would like write and i just write back and yeah because now i wasn't going to start telling every lecturer you should not dictate or you should you know like that was just a whole thing so yeah so we, we did that and i remember the first time my hand actually, like when I started, when I regained the speed, I was so happy. It was like, like let's have a party, you guys. <laughs> it was that kind of feeling. I remember I actually went and bought myself a soda and I was like, yep, we're making progress. <laughs> yeah, so uh, fast forward to, I think, my, so this, this is like the story, the genesis of the money for me, King Kaka. Kinkaka's uh, event, there's an event, Safaricom was doing Blaze. They were doing Blaze all around Kenya, I think. And they did one in Kisumu. And I remember, was so psyched for it. Because at that time, I was in Maseno, but I'd never really been to Kisumu, you know, like for fun. So we're going for this concert and we're all like, me and my friends are there. And I am not really a hip hop person. So like, I, I couldn't really relate with most of the music. Honestly, like, I actually don't really relate with King Kaka's music, <laughs> just be told. 
But one thing, there's a presentation he did about Kaka Empire. I was like, I want that. That I want that. That is what I want. So when we went back to school, I literally Googled how to build an empire. I was like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I didn't know what I want to call it. I didn't know how it was going to be done, but I didn't even know what niche, but I was like, I want to do this. Through through campus, you also like hear the stories, people, how you finish campus and you have to prepare yourself to tarmac for I don't know how long before you get a job. And I had stories of people who did, I don't know, anthropology and tarmac for 10 years before getting a job. I'm like, you guys, then why are we studying? You know, like, if this is our fate, if this is what is awaiting us after, then why are we here? So I just had the whole idea of building an empire. I didn't know where to start. I didn't really like have a clue my brother my brother is a very any for his age by the way <laughs> he's a very smart guy man i remember telling him about it my brother is into music uh, so he had started his band he literally self-taught guitarist so i was telling him what i want to do and all that and he's like yeah you should do that that's a good idea especially the so he just blows up with ideas and i'm like yeah let's do that let's do that you know and my heart is like i also want to fix this thing this thing about finishing campus and struggling to get jobs you know like i i want to fix that uh i remember when we actually i had i'd come up with like some names but all of them just did like they were they weren't sparking anything in me until we were just seated then my bro was like okay close that book let's just talk what impact do you want to make what do you want to sound like and I was like well I'm passionate about art I'm passionate about culture and I'm passionate about design then he was like okay so let's look for a name that is not ordinary something that someone wouldn't ideally just walk into a shop and think of <laughs> then we just randomly start naming names and then we just got to the money and i was like yes we're doing the money i know he doesn't know this <laughs> i don't tell him but i honestly feel like the money wouldn't exist without my brother like he doesn't know that but <laughs> we came up with the money but say it was just for the things that i used to create the the little portraits uh the stuff i'd create with my hands so it was like a brand it wasn't really like a company then i remember one of, I think everything I've learned about interior design are things that I learned outside class or rather running an interior design business because, well, you need the basics for interior design, but the business aspect, I remember there's a lecturer of ours. I, I used to come to class early or I would leave like among the last people. So he would just come and tell us how the practice is, the things he's struggling with and oh, this this client did this and this fundi did this and you guys, you should you should know deadlines are actually deadlines out there. You know, like here we can we can excuse your, your cut, you know, or your project arriving whatever one week later, but out here, deadlines are deadlines, you know? I think I used to pick up on those, okay, more than classwork, really. <laughs> and for me, I was like, yeah, I want that experience. I want to be able to, even if, even if I'm talking to someone or telling someone about interior design, I want to tell them from experience, not from what people tell me. Slowly by slowly, I just started thinking and I was like, okay, so I do not have the capital to start an interior design company. So what do we do about that? I was like, okay. So I'm in third year. I have more or less one whole year ahead of me. I can think of this, make it into what I, I want it to be. And then after campus, we'll see how it goes. I wasn't, the vision wasn't as big, by the way. It was like, it was just like a tiny idea just floating in my head, you know? And it's, it seemed okay. Like it's something I welcomed. Yeah, we finished campus. I remember that 2019, 2019 was, I would call it my version of 2020 was 2019. <laughs> you see, when everybody was like, oh, 2020 was this and that. And I was like, hey, you guys, 2020 has been amazing. Compared to 2019, you guys, this is a joke. Um, so in 2019, I'm in fourth year. Keep in mind, I've already deferred a whole year. So I've been in campus for five years instead of four. Uh, so 2019, January, I mean, my final semester most of my ideas were used to run them by my mom like my mom knew all the projects i was doing like i as in i was just those people like me and my mom i think i owe all my like i literally owe my degree to my mother 
<laughs> because I'd be like, mom, we're doing this project. I have this idea. Then she would actually go and look for materials. I remember like one of the things my sister said uh, when we were burying my mom was, my mom was literally a teacher, an interior designer, and a human resource manager by virtue that her children were those things. <laughs> she was so actively involved that I think I honestly can't remember a project I did without asking my mom. <laughs> so we're in fourth year and I come to school. I rem mom, mom had been sick in December. So just taking care of her. And I remember when January came and I was supposed to go back to school, I'm like, mom, I'll just stay at home like, uh, and take care of you because my sister has to go to work. You know, it was just crazy. Then mom was like, Joy, you're not going to stop studying just because I'm sick. And I was like, okay, but no, who will take care of you then? She was like, so she told me the plans and all that. So ah, I knew it sorted. So I go back to school and I was just in school for like a week. Every single day I was calling and talking to mom. This whole time I didn't know mom was in hospital. You know, on Thursday, Thursday I left her when she was very sick. Ideally mom used to take me to board the matatu and all that. Like she was that kind of mom, you know? So this Thursday when I'm going, she didn't even wake up because we, we had this routine of when someone's traveling, we all wake up, pray. If it's five, if it's four, you will be woken up. So that day, cause she was sick, she was just in bed. And I was like, okay. So since we do this, I call my sister and I'm like, since mom is the one who usually prays, let me pray this time. So I remember praying. And then mom was like, no, let me pray for you. So she prays. And then I remember like, I don't know, I don't know if it's an African thing, but parents don't say I love you that often, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I actually remember mom said, I love you. And I was like, okay, I love you too. And then I went to school. So my sister's the one who took me that day. I'm in school projects. We've already started getting our projects for the semester and all that. I'm excited because we had been talking about a spa over the, the holiday. And I remember asking my mom, mom, would you want to go to a spa? Like when you don't have to worry about school fees and all that, like we just take you out and like a girl's day out, just you, me, Bresh, Bresh is my sister. Uh, yeah, and then she was like, yeah, that would be nice. And then uh, the first thing, I remember the first thing she said, uh, who will stop going to school first so that we can do that, <laughs> you know? I was like, mom, as in just, picture an ideal scenario where we are all working and we're done with school and you have no worry in this world and she was like yeah yeah that would be amazing now when i got to school and we had our first project and we were supposed to pick uh, a space that you'd want to create so people would do like restaurants or hospitals and i remember our lecturer gave us a list of was it 30 spaces, 30 different possible spaces that we can create. There was butchery, all that, all those spaces that you can think of. So I just saw spa and I was like, yes, this is the one. So I'm so excited. I called mom all those days and uh, like, like the few days that I was in school and I was telling her about it. And then I remember planning to, to start my project early so that I can sneak in some time to go see her. So I remember the Monday that it was so, it was so sad. <laughs> Uh, because I had called her every single day from the day that I had left. And then Monday, because I really wanted to go home on Tuesday. So I was like, let me not call, let me just work. So I worked until late in the night. So I didn't call. I didn't call to to say hi or just know how she was doing. And, <laughs> and I remember in the morning, I, I wake up at 5 every day, like clockwork. So I wake up at 5 and our habits phone whatsapp so i'm like lisa is online lisa lisa does not wake up that early we all know that you know like all her friends know that i'm saying my sister is online her fiance at the time is online i'm like okay what's going on then a few minutes in so i go to the washroom i come back and there's this verse that, that says, oh, teach me how to number my days. That was the verse ringing in my head. And I'm like, huh? Because I had never read it. I, like, to be honest, I'd never come across that verse before until that day. <laughs> I come to the room, then a message comes in. Now, this is from, Lisa is my friend. She's my childhood friend. We've known each other for like 15 years. Her auntie, who's in Germany, texts me saying, oh, my condolences. In, and I'm like, wait what who died because <laughs> i know i was like no this is a lie this is a lie there is no way see, see just talk to mom the other day i was alone in the room 
So I was like, okay, okay. So I take deep breaths because I was about to scream. I was literally going to scream. And it's five in the morning and you're in a hostel. So it would, it would really be weird. So I called my mom immediately. She's not picking up. She's not picking up. So I called my sister, Mama Kwapi. Where's mom? And then she's like, I see Joy, it's like, right now it's five. Mom is asleep. And I'm like, wake her up. I want to talk to her. And then she's like, no, you just come. You'll talk to her when she wakes up. So I'm like, no. There's, you know, that instinct at the back of your mind. You're like, I know, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, like I need confirmation. <laughs> so here I am. I'm, I'm like, okay. So my sister is like, who are you with? I'm like, I'm alone. And then she's like, who's the nearest person you can get to? So I'm like, uh, Hazel. Hazel is in her room. So she's like two rooms after mine. So she's like, I want you to switch off your phone. I want you to go. Stay with Hazel. I'm sending someone to come pick you. So I was like, okay. So I, I go to Hazel's room and, you know, I'm knocking because people are asleep. It's 5 a.m., you know? So I'm knocking, then Hazel opens the door and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think my mom is dead. And she was like, oh. And so I, I just said that. And I started crying and it just broke down. And she's holding me. What do I do? She's asking me, what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then I, I tell her, Bresha said, she's sending someone. I don't know who she's sending and all that. So my sister, I, I have this thing of making sure all my friends are friends. Like I, I kind of just link them together so that it's like one big happy family. <laughs> so my sister had Hazel's number. So she calls Hazel and gives her instructions and all that. And then she just tells me to stay, to stay. She tells her to stay with me. So she sends someone and he comes to pick me up. And I'm just like, the whole time in my head, I'm like, no, 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 there is no way. There is no way. Like, mom is strong. Mom, mom is superhuman, you know, like she, she, can't just die you know like it felt it felt surreal you know like ah so we go home and then i get to the to the oh my my boyfriend at the time is the one who came to pick me because he was the closest person to where i was so um we go home and i'm at the gate and i see some vehicles coming out and people looking at me in this sad faces and I'm like okay this is real like I knew it had happened like I knew but then I didn't know like I, I was like no mm -mm. so I get to the house and there's this like church people family friends like people are just everywhere in the house I'm like what is going on they've removed the carpet they've removed the couch you know to make more space for people I'm like okay so I see my sister and she just holds me and then she pulls me to mom's room. So in my head the whole time, I'm expecting to go to mom's room and find mom there. Because this whole time, I didn't know my mom was in hospital. So apparently she had been admitted that Thursday that I left. But she didn't want me to know. She, was, she literally told my sister, let Joy enjoy her, her final semester in campus. I get home, my sister breaks the news. And I remember the first thing that hit me was, who's going to attend my graduation? Because Honestly, the five years was just, it was our struggle. It, mom and I, you know, this was our journey, you know, like everything, again, it was us against the world. She, I knew, okay, obviously other people would want to attend my graduation, but the only person that mattered was mom attending. The, the rest, uh, yeah, you know, there were just sidebars. Then like the people who were there were like, we will all attend and I don't know what, and you know, and I'm just like, no, no. So I tried, like, I'm asking my sister what happened, and she was just like, as in, she's trying to be strong because, well, she's the firstborn as well. So 2019 just goes by. I'm in fourth year. The money just stopped for me. Like, because at that time, I hadn't learned that. When you're running a business, you have to find a way to separate the business from you. For me, the money was me. <laughs> you know so if joy wasn't okay the money wasn't okay it was hard it was so hard because i want to like there is this i want to do these things i want to do these things but then there is grief and grief is chaotic 
you know grief is like grief is so unplanned for like it's just it's just things that happen feelings that come and you don't understand and you are angry sometimes and you're happy sometimes and it ah uh, it's it's just a lot <laughs> i remember getting to a point where i was like you know what they just finish school look for employment right now they're friends of mom's they will link me to you know like i don't have to struggle and build the money i mean i'm justified i have a justified reason to quit <laughs> you know and every time i thought that i wouldn't finish the thought process i'd start thinking about that then something would just stop it's like my mind goes in this like nothing box i can't see a future past that i can't see a future past past quitting <laughs> so i was like okay we're moving moving and i remember during my attachment so i remember this whole time people were telling me you know you're so lucky that's like worst thing to tell someone who's grieving by the way like <laughs> worst thing you know you're so lucky that your mom died when you are an adult so and i'm like wow thanks by the way <laughs> who even says okay who even says that but anyway so yeah so i remember just feeling like i am lucky <laughs> that mom died when i'm in my final semester and i like she had established a foundation so i told myself or rather i made myself not grief you know like i didn't go through grief i didn't feel it the way i think i should have so this is january my i, I finished school and i catch up and all that it's much then april a bit of a break than may we were supposed to touch our, start our attachment so i go to nakuru uh, and i remember actually I looked for that attachment with mom you know and I remember like when we decided on it's Nakuru like I'd even told her so we had worked on um those people literally my attachment was in May but by December I knew where I was going for attachment when my friends were looking for attachment in April me knew where I was going for attachment already like I just like to plan things ahead a lot I didn't I didn't plan for mom dying <laughs> you know So it was just like the whole period was really hard and when I was done with attachment I enjoyed the experience I got to learn so many things and I remember part of the things that I chose from uh the place I selected to go for my attachment was one I didn't want Nairobi two I didn't want a place that was very established because that would mean I'd be seated behind a computer desk doing renders and you know and i'd probably never meet the clients i wouldn't ever see the face of the person who owns this building i'd never know uh like basically how much this building is worth or even deal with the fundies because ideally that's basically what our attachment kind of looks like when you go to an established organization you're seated behind a desk 9 to 5 you know and that wasn't sitting so well with me so I picked something that I picked a company that was like three years old, um, and I went there. And I I remember the first time you've bought attachment outfits, you've bought dresses and skirts and shoes and all that, and heels because you know oh it's all official and formal. Then I remember the first time I meet my boss and he's like, "You should have picked a different outfit," and I was like, "Why?" And then he's like, we don't have an office. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Though, like, ideally, that was the choice. I just thought, okay, they could have something like an office. I mean, somewhere, where do they go? <laughs> so uh, I remember, like, most part of attachment was us being on site. We did everything on site. Like, to call, we're there with fundies. There's, like, a cabinet being fixed here there is the ceiling being done there and you sit in here there's another client who wants a render done so it's all just it was just everything all at once i really enjoyed it i would go home in the evening and i was happy i don't know if it's something something grace had also mentioned sometimes we tend to focus so much on work so that we don't have to process anything else that's going on it's like a very unhealthy thing but we do that Um when I was done with my attachment I remember handing in my report and I told my lecturer I think I've decided employment is not for me and you know what he told me prepare yourself to sleep hungry that's what he said and I was like I am so ready and basically from there it's just been 
me trying to figure this out. It's it's easy to be an interior designer. It's really hard to run an interior design business. I am looking for clients who are willing to take me up as their choice designer when they can, you know, they can get a fundi or a constructor or a contractor or, you know, just plus the other thing is in Kenya, interior design is not really a thing or rather it started being noticed of, of recent times, but ideally people don't really understand what interior designers do because most of the time I'd approach someone and they're like, oh, so I can... I can order curtains and you know because they think that's what we do we install curtains and buy flowers and cushions that's basically what their notion of what an interior designer does but we we do so much we do so much it's crazy um so far i think my, my biggest pride moment was being nominated for poya uh fund of the year uh the the category was most promising founder under 30 and i was like I didn't expect it because <laughs> I want what I want the money to be. The vision is to create a place where I can create employment for people and still do what I love and still earn a living out of it. And also change this whole narrative of ladies can't do certain things because where is it written? <laughs> also, I want to uphold our roots and try achieve sustainability. It's a very difficult approach because very few people do that with their design because most of material of the materials are not necessarily sustainable so they have negative impacts on the environment so i want the money to outlast me that's why you know from the word the money past i want it to outlast me it should be something from the past but stays all the way we borrow from past designs incorporate it with modern trends to create designs that are sustainable for the future that's basically the vision catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless that was quite the story if you head over to our youtube channel and you check out the legally clueless tours kisumu episode you might just spot joy in not might you actually will spot joy in it in that episode because that's where we recorded her story and hers hers is a story full of you know just a series of many things um that she had to navigate many very heavy things one of the things when she was talking about you know, the moment where she had the brain tumor, it just makes you really think about health and the everyday things that we take for granted. You know, when she said, you know, tying your sandals and stuff, just getting out of bed, putting your feet down off the bed, standing up, walking, just everyday things really that we that we really take for granted. I'm in a space where I've I've lost so much weight, which is for my body, it's so irritating. It's one of the easiest things for you to do. Ah, and then putting on weight is one of the hardest things for my body to do. And it's, I know for many people that would be like the dream situation, but it's not when you are trying to have a healthy body. But yeah, being in the space, I'm trying to understand what my body has carried me through and just like honor it. Remember to take all my meals and like listening to her speak. It's just like, yeah, man, treat this body well. They're everyday things. It does for us that we really take for granted. Anyway, do remember that if you want to share your story as well on this podcast, in the show notes, there is a Google form. Fill it out and I will get in touch with you and we'll record your story. Also remember that you can catch Legally Clueless on Trace Radio if you're in Kenya. Just go to traceradio.co.ke for a list of all the frequencies. But also don't forget. We're there every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m. And Friday at 12 noon. Super awesome news coming up soon. Ah, at least soon. Let me even just like tell you now. <laughs> Legally Clueless is going to be on Trace Radio every single day. It's going to be quite the challenge for me production-wise. But it is growth and it means something's working. So I have to rise to the occasion, right? Right. <laughs> Again, if you're new to this podcast, audio episodes like this go out every single Monday. We have two seasons of our video series out on our YouTube channel. And before the end of March, season three is going to be out too. 
It's going to be pretty awesome. We are already working on that. And we also have our tour series out as well. So you can watch that. I feel like Legally Clueless started off as, you know, your traditional audio podcast. And now it's like morphed into a platform stroke network, which is fantastic, you know. And it's just a testament that there is no limit to what you can do. So I'm pretty excited for our growth. And lastly, Dubai episode goes out on Friday, the 18th of March on our YouTube channel. And I hope you enjoy it. Catch you next week. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.